You're listening to the Santa Anger, and my daddy is the host. All right, uh, welcome to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford, and excited about today's interview. Um, I have Austin Whitman as a guest, and he is the CEO of the Change Climate Project, which is probably better known as Climate Neutral Certified. They recently had a rebrand, but... Anyhow, uh, we dive into how Austin's love for the outdoors and nature inspired him to pursue a career in uh, climate and sustainability. Uh, We answer the question, um, would the world be a better place if every company was climate neutral certified? And uh, we also talk a little bit more about the business case for sustainability and also squeeze in some fishing. Now, Aside from all of that, which I was already excited about, um, there's a couple of additional reasons I'm excited about uh, sharing this episode with you. Um, One is that uh, Emerger Strategies, which is my company, it's a sustainable business consultancy that works with companies to measure and improve their sustainability performance. Um, We are now officially climate neutral certified, which I'm super psyched about. And uh, another reason I'm excited about this is if you're listening to this and you happen to uh, be a business owner or um, be be involved at at the brand level of a company, Emerger Strategies is now a climate neutral open certification service provider, which basically means we can help your organization align to the climate neutral standard and achieve certification. So whether you are a angler who has seen the climate neutral certified label and are curious to take a deeper dive into what that actually means, or if you are a business owner or work for a brand that is considering uh, getting climate neutral certified, um, I hope that you find this episode insightful and hope you enjoy. Thanks. Yeah, well, good. It's good to be with you, Rick. Um, So let's see. Climate Neutral is a nonprofit organization that was established. uh, We we set it up in 2018, 2019, um, because we felt like there was a real gap in the uh, consumer labeling space, uh, specifically around what companies are doing about climate change. And so if you think about going to a retail store, whether it's, you know, Target or Walmart or Orvis um, or your favorite grocery store, there are lots of labels on lots of products. And those labels speak to things like uh, worker health and safety, organic ingredients, um, recyclability. But there really hasn't been anything that's been widely visible when it comes to the uh, actions that companies are taking to understand what they're doing about the carbon emissions that all of us are responsible for creating, uh, both directly and indirectly. So we set the organization up to create a label uh, that would be a credible sign of whether a company is measuring and reducing and offsetting all of its carbon emissions. 
And in the course of doing that, we also found ourselves in the business of helping companies really figure out kind of what that journey would look like. So we have, we've built a software platform for carbon management, uh, which includes measuring emissions and planning reductions. Uh, We've got a lot of workshop content. We have a whole brand community that people join when they get certified, they can work and learn from each other. So it's um, it's turned into something a lot bigger than I think we initially envisioned, but it's been great. Um, really feels like we've gotten uh, a lot of great ideas to come to life uh, when it comes to when it comes to helping companies along this journey. So my own personal um, path to this point, uh, I, I started working on climate change, if you can believe it, about 20 years ago um in my in my profession um so i had been working in software for a few years and just it just wasn't it just wasn't that interesting to me it didn't really feel like i was um doing much good for the world so went back to grad school and then um since then have worked in sort of you name it um national international policy um technology finance uh, all related to clean energy and climate change and so I've seen seen it from a, a bunch of different angles, and things are both moving quickly and they're moving slowly. Um, you know, which which depending on where you look. Um, so the reality is, we need to we need to get things to to move a lot faster everywhere. Um, so that's what one of the things that attracted me to the idea of setting up this nonprofit because we're able to do things really with a focus on mission, uh, focus on on motivating people and bringing people to the table and getting them to learn uh, and not a focus on paying back shareholders or investors because we are a nonprofit. So, yeah. That's cool. And so I'll, I'll, to, to, to pry a little bit deeper, you, you've been sort of um, in some way, shape or form and, and climate for, for a long time, a couple of decades now. Um, was there something that um, motivated you to think about, climate action that um clearly there there has to be something if if you've been in it for for 20 years i'm curious to know what that what that might be yeah i mean i guess um i grew up just loving the outdoors uh and and i think part of it was forced by the fact that my parents would just take us every weekend drag us out in the local nature trails and um you know and i remember spending weekends stocking stocking the creeks with trout trout eggs and putting these little cages down underneath um, stones and um you know doing that with my dad and then um in you know my teenage years i worked at summer camps and did a bunch of fishing up in northern maine um on the allagash and the saint john the penobscot rivers and uh just love the outdoors and um you know that together with i remember in 1989 hearing al gore speak about climate change um he was even speaking about climate change back then and it was it was pretty profound i don't think i understood more than about 20 percent of it at the time but um it was enough to really make me feel like man there's this thing that is it is really kind of fundamentally changing how humans are going to live on the earth and that feels really important. So um, I guess you kind of put these things to historical love of the outdoors and, um, you know, then the things that I was starting to learn at the time in the classroom and then and then starting to observe out in the world, which is 
incredible influence that companies have over the way the world works. Uh, and this is true for tech companies and you know information security, as well as for uh, companies that make products. And so I really felt in you know in the early 2000s, like there had to be some way to make businesses more of a contributor to um, environmental preservation versus a detractor. And I think that's really what motivated me to think about how to turn my career into something that would, would focus at this intersection of business and the environment. Yeah, I uh, I can completely relate. That that's ultimately what got me on a on a similar path as well. Is just the the love of of nature and the outdoors. And for me, it was um, when I first started fly fishing for trout of understanding entomology or learning about entomology, and that really is a crash course in systems thinking because you you start to understand how a river flows. Uh, there's different insects and different life cycle stages, fish are holding here and there. And then you get to have all these amazing experiences and you're like, oh man, I got to do what I can to like have a responsibility to, to protect this. And it sounds like you had a, had a, had a similar path in that regard, um, which I think yeah. a, a lot of anglers can, can relate to, you know, of just going, well, what can we do to, to protect what we love. Right. And um, I think that's, that's really cool. But one, one of the things that, that you mentioned is talking, and maybe this is helpful to, to sort of set the stage with everyone for um, uh, why a company might want to, to, to get climate neutral certified, but the IPCC, right. The intergovernmental panel on climate change um, basically says we need to cut global greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 and achieve net zero by 2050 um, emissions. So how does, well, and I'll elaborate a little bit more as it relates to fishing is, is what we see. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. We see sea level rise here. Uh, this year in the Florida Keys, there was like record water temperatures. Mm -hmm. and, and all of this is, uh, for the most part, caused from burning fossil fuels, which mm -hmm. is what causes climate change. Mm -hmm. So. When when you started to see like hey businesses are are contributing to this, and and I guess the the question I have is okay well what can businesses do about it and and why would they want to get climate neutral certified? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a complex it's a complex question because every the first thing I kind of say around um, you know businesses or corporates is that every business is different every business has its own challenges and its own opportunities and and the way that it, when any given business can you know create positive change is going to be different from from the next one some businesses really don't have much in the way of actual physical operations you know it's somebody sitting behind a you know most extreme example somebody who's sitting behind a smartphone you know sending putting videos on a TikTok, right and they they run a business though and so so we, so we got you know individuals who are kind of running you know social media based businesses and their power is influence and then the other extreme end you've got large multinational corporations who make physical things whether it's buildings or fly rods or automobiles or whatever and and they've got their own opportunities as well. So the the real question is for any given business, what's the big, what are the biggest levers of of um, of improvement that they can 
focus on. And, you know, so when we set out to create the certification that we have, we asked ourselves the question, what if every, what if every consumer brand in the world did this? Would, would the world be fundamentally a better place? And that's the, that's the question we constantly come back to when we make revisions to the certification and we're in the midst of doing our latest round of revisions to the certification requirements. Um, and this will probably be our most substantial uh, set of revisions. But we ask ourselves, you know, would, would the world be a better place if, if, if every company had this certification? Um, and, and our hope is that we can at least transform some part of, uh, you know, consumer, consumer products and, and business services companies to, um, to get people thinking differently about uh, the right way to, to do business looks like. Um, I mean, for starters, one of the things that's blown me away over and over again is just that most businesses today still don't have any idea if you were to ask them, what is your business carbon emissions? What, what does your business contribute every year? Most people have no idea. Couldn't even tell you ballpark. Couldn't even tell you whether it's a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand tons. And we even see companies and, and, and service providers reporting carbon emissions in grams and pounds and all these units to show that they have no idea kind of what the common language is. It's kind of like if, you, if I asked you, what are your revenue? You said, eh, I don't really know. I have no idea. Well, what, do you, what about your costs? Well, I don't really, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and so, um, and so that's, I think that's the thing that we consistently think is just a, a ridiculously simple and boring, but important step in this process is just how can we make carbon measurement much easier for companies? So, and, and we shouldn't, I mean, I, I don't, expect that everybody in the world has spent, you know, three decades becoming climate experts. It's just the tools are not accessible. And, um, and so there need to be people and there need to be you know, software tools that just make it a lot easier uh, for companies to, to get their head around that very first question. And that's just the starting point, right? I mean, that's just, I, I sometimes say, well, if you're, if you decide that you want to go run a a half marathon. And one of the first things you do is you ask yourself how how far and how fast can I run today? You sort of you have to set a baseline, and that first step of carbon measurement is just about setting a baseline. And from there, you then identify ways to improve. Right? You say, well, my my um, the carbon emissions are coming from these factories that I work with, or from transportation, shipping, and kind of have you have a mental map then of, of what your carbon emissions looks like. Uh, and you then have the ability to start thinking about how to reduce them. Um, and the things that you can't reduce, you then have an opportunity to say, well, what's, what's the scale of how I should be contributing to decarbonization outside my supply chain through the purchase of carbon removal credits and carbon offsets. And so that together forms, honestly, the picture of what we think every company in the world should be doing. Um, and, you know, there are certainly companies that will use the power of their consumer network and their supplier network to really affect change. And we're seeing this with some of the larger tech companies today, but that's, that's a really, really, really um, extreme example of, I think, you know, of what, what companies are capable of doing. So we're just really focused on the companies that want to do better, but really don't know how. Yeah. And I think that the <clears throat> part of the thing that, 
first that, that I can relate to um, as a sustainability consultant is working with brands who it's like it would be a huge win if you simply got companies just to measure their footprint, right? I mean, which is, it's like just to even get, because you can't manage what you're not measuring. Once you've measured it, then you go, okay, well, how can we reduce? And uh, if you're a smaller brand though, I think part of their challenge is going, well, we can't influence our supply chain as much, right? Like we don't have the same influence that Walmart has or, or or Nike has or something. And I think that that is especially helpful for, for carbon neutral or uh, excuse me, climate neutral um, is being able to help any size business really get a, get a handle on here's how to measure it, right? Here's, here's a first step that you can take to measure it. You can help with a reduction plan. And then if you choose, you can offset the rest to achieve climate neutral certified. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the, for, for what is available out there to me, Austin and I uh, are awesome. We, we met, I think at um, OIA one year at at a trade show. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember when y'all like launched 20, I think it was uh, 2019, actually. It was, it was just at the beginning, June, June, June of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, finally, like, so, you know, so, someone is, 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 is figured out an, uh, a relatively easy button for, for companies to start understanding this. And that to me, um, which is I've always been a, a fan of what y'all are doing, it, it is so critical, right? It's such a big hurdle to get people to understand their scope one, two and three emissions and just to uh, sort of quickly explain that, I, I guess, and Austin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but scope one, you know, are really operational emissions. Scope two is purchase electricity and scope three is is your entire value chain. So mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to measure your scope one and scope two is a little bit easier than, or a lot easier than your value chain emissions. And that is something that uh, the, the the B the the calculator the, the climate mm-hmm. neutral calculator does really efficiently and uh, really well that I that I really like about it and I'm I'm curious is when I guess when y'all are coming up with with the calculator and um, that had to have been uh, I guess something or was it an aha moment for y'all to be like okay we're, we're creating an easy button I guess is mm-hmm. is is, is is that something that, that y'all thought about when y'all were creating it? We, well, we thought that there had to be an easy button when, when we launched the label. And we thought, you know what, we'll just find the easy button that somebody else has created. And we'll we'll hand that to the people who are trying to get certified in our first year. And, um, and that's what they'll do. And we went out, we talked to lots and lots of people and found that the best easy button out there was it basically a spreadsheet-based tool that had been created 10 years earlier, never been updated and provided very, very poor analysis, basically no visualizations, was difficult to use. And even the people who built it said, I wouldn't trust it. So that was that was the state of the art of the easy button uh, at the time and for measurement. And so we then said, okay, let's rewind a little bit. Who are the experts in this space? 
And there are people who study life cycle analysis and, you know, emissions for a living and their PhDs and what have you and other researchers. And so we put together a small team of these folks and we spent basically three months to asking them the very simple question. If you were to take all the projects, the research, the consulting engagements that you've had over the years and sort of boil them down into the most essential steps for measuring emissions and think about building a software tool that essentially takes your brains and puts them onto, you know, into a computer program, what would it look like? And, and how would we do that? And and then we hired a, a software engineer who is based in Ukraine. Um, and, uh, and he wrote, he wrote our first tool and we, we launched that in about six months and we kind of had no idea that it would live past, you know, that first, first eight, eight, nine, eight, nine month period. Um, but the feedback we got was really positive. And, and I remember someone coming up to me when I, after I presented it on stage at, at I think it was, well, it was, it was an outdoor retailer in 2020 saying, wow, you guys in six months really democratized this carbon accounting thing. I mean, yeah. how, how did you do that? I said, well, it wasn't, to be honest, it really wasn't that complicated. And I think the problem that people have gotten hung up on is um, there's 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 good enough and there's perfect. And a lot of folks have really focused on the perfect. And we're focused on the good enough. And um, we have absolutely no qualms about saying that. But if you're looking for the perfect detailed carbon analysis don't come to us we're not that's not that's not why we're here but if you're looking for something that's good enough then this is the place to start and 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 the way i would sort of simplify that in terms of to to kind of help folks understand it is if you if you were looking at your own personal carbon footprint and you and you wanted to just start with your utility bill which which in corporate terms would be called your scope 2 I'd say, what's your, what is your electricity consumption? You'd say, well, it's a thousand kilowatt hours a month because you have your utility bills. And then if you were looking for perfect from that, you basically would have to measure the emissions from the power plant at every hour of the day, over 8,760 hours per year. And you'd have to know that your your grid in particular has a mix of coal and natural gas and solar and wind and hydro. And you have to know exactly what's generating your electricity at every hour and then turn that into when am I using my lights? When am I running my air conditioner? When am I using my dryer? What time of the day? And match that up to the emissions that are happening at that particular hour of the day. That would be a perfect analysis. Yeah. I can tell you if we tried to do that with your electricity bill, it would take probably years because the technology it's getting better, but it's really not there yet. Instead, we would say, all right, let's do something good enough. Let's take the average of your grid, which, which we know that, that these tables are available and we can do this in, in five minutes, thousand, thousand kilowatt hours a month, you know, times 12. And then we take that and multiply by an emission factor. And we say, okay, great. It looks like your emissions are, I don't know what, six tons per year from electricity, give, give or take, give or take six tons. Now let's look at what else you drive. A, you drive an electric car, okay? That's that's reflected in your in your utility bill. No worries, like that's zero. Uh, and then we kind of add these things up and say, well, 
at the end of this, it turns out something that you just didn't think of initially was your largest um, largest source of emissions, which is the fact that you happen to go visit your, you know, your grandmother seven times a year in California. And, and you know, it's, and so it's your air travel. And that accounts for 20 tons of emissions. So anyway, that kind of analysis is, is the type of thing that we're trying to do. It's, it's good enough to point you in the right direction. And we feel like that's really the key to, to getting people um, to be you know, focused on the right things and not, not spending time trying to, trying to reach perfect. Yeah. And I think that that's also critical for everyone, everyone to understand is, you know, cause, cause I want to use this platform as a way to help, to help educate some, some folks who are interested in this, or maybe they, they, they own a brand or a company and they want to understand their, their carbon footprint is so, so measuring it and getting a sense of what that is, then you can, analyze it to say, here is an area that is causing the majority of our footprint. What can we do to focus on that area to actually reduce our footprint? Because what the science says is that's what we have to do, right? To avoid catastrophic effects of climate change, which by the way, are already happening. Um, So if we can focus on that, then we can actually reduce. And then the next step in in y'all's process is to then say, okay, we can also achieve carbon neutrality, climate neutrality, um, mm-hmm. with the purchase of offsets for our entire footprint. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on 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 that component of your your process? Yeah. So, <clears throat> a climate neutrality designation um, requires you to uh, have established that you are compensating for the emissions that you're creating with eligible verified carbon credits. And, you know, there's certainly a lot of discussion about how carbon credits and reduction work uh, plays hand in hand as companies work on decarbonization. Most of what has has been said is basically that it's really important for companies to be focused on reducing their emissions and to figure out that you've achieved as many reductions as possible before you rely on carbon credits. I think where we sort of have, um, you know, come in with a slightly different take is that we, we break, we break what's typically thought of as a 30 year period, because that's, you know, need to get to net zero by 2050. We break that into annual chunks. And every year you come to us and you talk to us about what you're going to reduce and what you haven't been able to reduce you purchase carbon credits for. And the next year, what you've been able to reduce reduces your footprint and you buy, you purchase carbon credits for the rest. So we, so by doing it in sort of in annual periods, you follow that same framework of measure, reduce, offset, but you're doing it continuously so that over time, and we were just talking to one of our larger companies uh, this week, and she was saying, what a powerful signal uh, this process has provided internally because it's really focused them on the cost of their emissions. It's given them a, a, an ROI case for finding ways to reduce their emissions. And I think they, when they first certified with us three or four years ago, um, something like, I don't know, they, they had found ways to reduce something like five or 10% of their emissions. But now they've been able to find ways to get up more towards 60, 70% reductions, uh, which it's means huge. that- 
which right, which means that they've made real progress deep into their supply chain. Uh, but it, it didn't happen overnight. It's happened over a period of, of you know three to four to five years. And because they had this annual cycle going on, and because they had this incentive now, because they're you know they're buying carbon credits. So we see basically carbon offsetting and reductions working very well hand in hand, providing near-term opportunities to invest in projects that are going to cut carbon emissions while at the same time uh, finding ways to to reshape sort of how you make products and how you operate your business um, that's also going to reduce emissions. Yeah, what what I think too is is really cool about it is is it it helps for the 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 company to kind of put an internal cost on their carbon footprint. So it's mm-hmm. like you're incentivized to reduce. So you're like, all right, well, let's just say just completely making this number up, but just for the sake sake of conversation, you spend a hundred dollars. Okay, let's just keep it simple. You spend a hundred bucks to offset your your emissions. And the next year, or in this example, let's say that you were able over the course of several years to get to a 60% reduction. Well, now you're only spending 40 bucks on offsets because you've actually reduced your footprint mm-hmm. uh, to that level, which is mm-hmm. You know, I don't know uh, any other tool out there that um, that's that's demonstrating that 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 type of of reduction or, or, or companies, and maybe there are just, but for the sake of uh, of what I know, and that that's real and that's hard to come by. I mean, reducing your carbon footprint is is not necessarily an easy task. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I think it's important that to, to recognize that like th- this this process and this tool is, is driving real reduction. Mm-hmm. That's the hope, and and we've we've been really um, working on ways to uh, provide better re- reduction recommendations to companies. Because I mean, again, as we said, like we don't expect everybody to be having become a climate expert for the last thirty years. Um, how can we accelerate knowledge? Uh, transfer. How can we help people learn as quickly as possible about what the what the uh, easiest ways are and the best ways are to reduce emissions? So, we're working on some pretty exciting new features um, that'll pull on all the you know hundreds of, of of analyses that we've done so far, all the data that we have from that, as well as um, libraries of, of of carbon reduction measures that we're assembling into what'll be a series of guided recommendations based on your emissions that will kind of come and, and be provided at the end of the measurement process um, so that it can be easier for a company to go through measurement and then understand how to reduce. It's not easy, like you said, and, and also it depends on a network of partners, right? It depends on all the partners that you work with in your supply chain. Um, and so that can cut both ways. One, you know, it's it's really hard to influence what your suppliers do if you're a small organization. But two, if you have a supplier who happens to transition to clean energy, or um, a supplier who uh, suddenly has found a way to incorporate recycled material into into its um, into its own supply chain, then that can have real benefit to to your carbon emissions. So like I say, it it can cut both ways. And something that we're also looking for for opportunities uh, to to improve is how groups of companies can come together to really press suppliers to make changes that then benefit everybody downstream. Um, And that'll be sort of the, one of the holy grails of supply chain decarbonization. 
Yeah, that's well. I'm looking forward to that, right? Because because it's it's uh it, it, it's necessary and needed, and I think that the uh, kind of a, a a rough statistic is probably for most companies seventy five to ninety percent, if not more, of their footprint is coming from their supply chain. Um, I think that's fair, depending on the, yeah. the the company. More, more, yeah. And and it's to be able to 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 leverage a tool that can help groups who have similar suppliers or the same suppliers affect that mm-hmm. change in a supply chain. That is the real progress that I don't think an individual company, for the most part, the are, are they're not able to do on their own. That you know mm-hmm. they can they can take it so far, and that that is really for me really hopeful to to hear that. Um, and because I, I think that a lot of the there's a couple of things. It's like, you know, climate change, all you hear is doom and gloom, and that's fine. But people forget that real progress is still being made and it requires people to take action. And I think the first action that if you're if you're a business owner listening to this that you have to take is you got to understand what your footprint is. You have to measure it, right? You have to create that baseline that that Austin w- was talking about. And then you start the process um, of, of measuring and reducing over time um, and offsetting. And, and I think that that is really cool. I mean, that was the sort of the idea of the Fly Fishing Climate Alliance was like, if we could get uh, an entire industry to measure their footprint, then we could understand, hey, maybe a, a lot of the apparel manufacturers are using the same uh, supplier for, for some of their shirts. Can we group them together? And if what I hear you saying is right, that that is sort of in the works and what is happening with, with Climate Neutral as a result of people understanding their supply chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I think we've, um, we've seen a couple of successful examples of um, you know, I guess I'll call them buyer, buyer initiatives, buyer collaboratives, um, and think that there's a lot of un, untapped potential there, uh, particularly by looking at the data that we have on what kinds of things make up different companies' supply chains. Um, an obvious one being steel. A lot of companies rely on rolled steel for whatever it is that they make, canteens, cook stoves, you know, uh, water bottles, whatever, carbon fiber. Um, so if there's a way to sort of identify that this group of whatever, five or 10 companies is buying, seems to be buying a lot of carbon fiber from uh, suppliers in Southeast Asia, you know, could we get them together and and have them work together to, to find lower carbon alternatives, uh, even of the same material? And we think that there's going to be a way to look at a lot of the data that we have to identify places where this might be might be possible. So, yeah, I mean, lots more to to kind of to do there uh, on our side, but we do think that this is going to be one of the real keys because any one company, particularly though, we tend to work with smaller companies, companies with less than two billion dollars in revenues, and um, you know the amount of influence that any one company has is, is pretty limited. Yeah, and as a um, so one of my, one of my clients, Rupture Water, they're they're climate neutral certified, and um, they're also one percent for the planet member. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure many of your 
uh, companies who certify are, are also B Corps. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to talk a little bit um, about the the value of third-party certification. So if I'm an angler, right, and I, and I go into a store and I have two like products from two brands that, that I like and I'm trying to decide and I see one of them has a climate neutral logo and one of them doesn't, me personally, this is just me talking, I'm going to choose the one that's climate neutral certified. I actually did it uh, the other the other day. Um, I was <laughs> buying some, uh, which are all the rave now, but but functional mushrooms uh, at, at, at Whole Foods. And one of the companies was climate neutral certified and the other one was not. And I was like, oh, well, that made this easy. So I know that this company is working to reduce their footprint. That's important mm-hmm. to me. So I supported them with my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I think it's important for um, folks out there to, to understand that whenever you're, you have buying power as a, as a, as a consumer. Um, and so what are, what are some of the ways that uh, climate neutral is helping consumers find products um, that are uh, climate neutral certified and ultimately better for for the planet? Well, I have to admit, I had no idea that the term, the phrase functional mushroom was a thing. Um, <laughs> not not, not the psychedelic kind, the, the, the no, functional no, I, kind. I get it. Yeah, it's important <laughs> to clarify that for your listeners, or maybe or maybe not. But um, yeah, it's cool to know that we, I guess, apparently work with a company that provides those. Um, but yeah, I have fun going into the grocery store with my kids and play a little game like, hey, can you find the label? Um, and, right. You know, we're trying to we're trying to make it um, we're trying to make it visible, and it, and it really is important that it's visible on packaging and you know in in more uh, kind of uh, exciting cases that it's actually made visible because the retailer chooses to put little displays together that have a bunch of products from different companies that all have the label. So we That's see this cool. in the health and beauty space. So Sephora does this um, with our certification. I don't shop at Sephora, but it sounds like it's a pretty influential, um, you know, uh, uh, indicator in the in the purchasing process. We also have seen this online where REI, which is a large outdoor retailer, they now have our label as as a search criteria, so you can search for climate neutral certified products. Cool. So the more we can get these things to exist, the curated um, or targeted buyer experience that really highlights the existence of the label you know the more the more attractive it gets to companies uh to have the label and then it creates more interest in people getting certified so um from a consumer standpoint you know there are there are these these retail experiences like i just described there are also some third party apps that you can use to plug into your browser um so we work with a a carbon personal carbon tracking app platform called Commons. Um, they have a uh, a set of tags that are indi- that indicate which which companies have climate neutral certified uh, products. We have worked with a group called Consciously, uh, which is a slightly different app, but they provide a browser plugin. So when you're shopping, it basically overlays on your Amazon shopping experience, kind of whether products have certain uh, certifications. And there's a few others that we work with as well. We basically feed them data on what companies have certified products. And then 
they in turn take it the final step to the to the customer um, so that the shopping experience can be informed by whether the label is there or not. But the, but the, what you described, you know, the sort of decision about whether to buy something or not on the basis of the label, that's exactly what we're hoping can happen more. And we really aren't expecting individuals who are shopping to do anything more than just say, is the label there or isn't it, right? We aren't expecting you to spend 25 minutes in front of the product with your QR scanner and reading all the carbon content. I mean, some people will, but that's probably half a percent of everybody out there. Everybody else is going to say, does it have the label or doesn't? And if it has a label, I'm going to like that product a little bit more. Now, I'm not going to not I'm not going to ignore you know what it tastes like or um, whether I like the color or whether it fits me and these other things. But it's a it has to be a product attribute uh, that's made that's made visible because if it's not a product attribute that's made visible, then there's no hope of making climate a priority in people's shopping decisions. And what what about if? Let's say I walk into my my tackle store, or my fly shop, and um, I, I, I see Repture Waters Gear and I see their logo, and I'm like, all right, well, now I'm going to support them with my business. Um, but I like another brand, but I don't see any sort of logo about anything. Is there a way for me to communicate that with with, with a company? Yeah, I mean, any any through any customer service channel that exists, I would say you know you could you could send a tweet to them, you could um, send an email to them, uh, you could talk to the store and tell them to pass it along to their um, you know to the distributor, but it, it's um it, it's ultimately hard for us to prove to a company definitively that the label is valuable, and so the more they hear directly from people who would be consumers of their products, the better it is because it just helps us make the case more clearly. Yeah. And I, and I'll say from, from my business and, and working with, with companies who um, go the extra mile for third-party certifications and and take action on, on reducing their footprint um, in case any, any listeners or, or business owners, you can see, you know, so it's like, okay, you measure your footprint. Now, what do I do? I need to reduce it. Well, energy efficiency, renewable energy, if you own the building, that's going to reduce your costs. Um, if you choose to offset your footprint, you're going to do a lot of good aside from reductions. Um, but you're also going to increase customer loyalty because people, uh, uh, consumers are, are supporting brands that align with their values. Um, and you can also gain a distinct competitive advantage, you know, in, in, a, in a perfect world, everyone's climate neutral certified. And it's not necessarily a, a competitive advantage, but right now you still have an opportunity for that sort of first mover advantage um, when when you get that certification and, and logo. And, and it should be displayed proudly because, you um, Currently, not everyone is doing, and I think that day is coming um, as we see, you know, uh, more and more effects of, of climate change happening at a at a more rapid pace than we are already. But um, yeah, just uh, for anyone listening, there 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 are there is a very real business case for sustainability and particularly for climate action um, that I think is a missed opportunity for, for businesses who um, are maybe thinking, Oh, I'm not sure if my, this is going to, if my customers care and 
I mean, I live in this world. This is what I do. I, I, I read the reports. I see it with my clients. This is very real. And you're, I can assure you that your customers do care. Um, it, it, is, it is very apparent that they do for the, for the companies that, that have gone the extra mile. Um, yeah, and that's that's yeah, but that's we we hope the tide kind of rises rises across the board, and the expectations that companies you know, do this as basic basic kind of requirements of doing business is really you know they start starts to be standard. All right, so um, before I, I, first of all, thank you. This was awesome. I hope everyone out there listening um, learned a little bit today. Um, about climate neutral, but also um, how to take climate action and measuring, reducing, and, and offsetting your footprint. Um, but I would be remiss if uh, I didn't ask, we, we kind of were on the sustainable business side of the conversation today. Um, where was your last fishing trip, Austin? I, we have to talk just, just, just a little bit of fishing here at the end. Yeah. Um... The last one would have been up to northeastern New Hampshire, right on the border of border of Maine. Um, and there's a, a couple of rivers up there, the Dead Diamond and the Swift Diamond River. And um, I got out there with some friends and it was things are just warming up. Um, I froze my ass off, but it was worth <laughs> it. Um, took it took just a long for me, honestly, I'm a terrible, terrible fisherman. I've got a, a buddy who can literally cast a fly in my front yard and catch a trout. Um, <laughs> no river needed, but um I'm I'm not that skilled. And um, so I, you know, I like walking up and down the stream and spending a little time watching birds and a little time fishing for whatever's whatever's swimming around. So um yeah, I mean there were some there were some fish there. I didn't catch any, but um it was just a gorgeous day and a really nice way to to kick off the spring. Awesome. I love it. Well, what is um if you could leave well a couple of things. <clears throat> what is something that uh because with climate change, as as it tends to be, there's a lot of uh negative connotations around it. But but first question is uh what gives you hope? And the second question is, where can people learn more about climate neutral? Yeah, I think, well, um, one of the things that gives me hope is the groundswell of um, just real interest and support for a better a better climate future. Um, and I, I think, you know, yes, the natural disasters and the weather oddities are making people more focused on it. But I also think that people really see opportunity and they understand that this isn't just a, you know, disaster um, avoidance strategy, but, but actually working on things that are better for the climate creates a better world for people in many ways. I mean, fossil fuel power plants don't just create carbon dioxide. They also create lots of other pollutants that make people sick, directly make people sick. And if we can get rid of those, you know, we solve climate change and we solve uh, lots of human health issues. So um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of hope that is present in the incredible groundswell of people who are coming to focus on the issue, care about the issue, in many cases, work on the issue every day. And that to me is um, really the only way that we're gonna, we're gonna get through this. And I, and I think we can just with the number of people who are really coming into this movement. Um, 
So yeah, so that's sort of the, 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 the piece that gives me the greatest amount of hope. Um, our website is climateneutral.org. We have information out there. Um, little uh, surprise um, micro announcement is we're going to be changing the name of the organization within the next month or two. So okay. people can people people can keep an eye out for that. But we've we've I think evolved as an organization beyond our name, and we're going to I can't tell you what it is, but we're going to be uh, rebranding a little bit, um, still doing exactly the same stuff and more. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye out for. So in, in about a month and a half, we'll have a new URL, what have you, but same recognizable brand identity. And like I said, same people, same programs, everything else. So, um, yeah, it's been great chatting with you, Rick. Um, thanks, thanks for the time and the opportunity here. Yeah. And thank you, Austin, for, for what you do and what Climate Neutral does. Um, as an angler, I appreciate it very much. I know that it's critical that we measure and reduce our, our footprint. And uh, this is the easy button. So uh, check out Climate Neutral. Be on the lookout for uh, a rebrand, but uh, we'll keep you more dialed in on that and stay tuned. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler. Uh, this podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we also have a website. It is uh, www.thesustainableangler.com. You can find blogs, merchandise, past episodes. Um, and if you like what you're hearing with the podcast, um, would really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, that helps us to spread the word about the podcast and hopefully educate and inspire more anglers to protect the planet. Uh, thanks and have a great one.